Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the writer's room podcast dedicated to fixing the Star Wars sequels. This week is part five of Fixing the Force Awakens, and today Mello and I have something brand new for you. I'm Bryce Quinn, and I'm joined by my writing co-pilot, Mello Keating. Hey, mate. How you doing? Good. No intro today. Uh, you're my writing co-pilot. That's I'm your writing the, co-pilot? That's been the whole thing for the whole series. Oh, true. <laughs> I just missed the original intros. Anyway. Yeah, we'll get them back soon. I'm also joined by our returning whipmaster, Sandra Carrion. Good to have you back, Sandra. <laughs> Jesus. That was a whip sound. I mean, yeah. What if I just took that out and added in like an actual whip crack? Like I mean, right could... now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that was actually mine. I think mine was better, but you yeah. probably do think that. But it's good to have you back, Sandro. Uh, we had Emily for the past two weeks, and now you're back. Yeah, yeah. No. Um. So, bit of context. I've heard episode three, and I filled you in vaguely on episode four. Vaguely on episode four. So you're so... mostly caught up. Yeah, mostly caught up. I think I'm gonna approach this one. Try come in just with like a complete. Fresh mind, just blank, That's blank good. slate. Good luck. You do have a history of migraines whenever Mel and I hit you with some crazy stuff. Yeah, so stuff. I think it's just going to be easier if I just come in with a blank slate. Yeah. But and then get to the migraines at the end. Blank slate's a good plan. Yeah, but this is, I think, very cohesive. We did spend a few days in the last week. Yes. Really, like, refining So between episode, last week was part four, today is part five. And between those two episodes, Mel and I have spent quite a few hours going through and combining and creating a new kind of synthesis of our two beat sheets into into a brand new version uh, that uh, has a bunch of new ideas in it. Yeah. We're going to go through the whole thing today uh, up until we run off the edge of the tracks because we only made so much track and <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a Looney Tune situation, but it should be a fun ride. But yeah, let's just get right into it. Looks um, like them Star Wars, fixing the Star Wars trilogy boys have fallen off the tracks. Exactly. What are they going to do now? How are they going to get out of this one? We'll see at the end of the show. <laughs> this is going to be a Final Destination ending. <laughs> oh no. But... We're going to go beat for beat. I'm going to read one beat and then we'll discuss. And then Mello, you'll read the next beat and we'll discuss. Opening image slash prologue. And once again, we're going to be going off the Save the Cat beat sheet. So if you're familiar, you'll be very familiar with this. If you're not, maybe go check that one out. They should sponsor us. They should. Even though it's just one guy who wrote one book. Mm. But, uh, years ago. Yeah. Years <laughs> ago. In 2005. It's an old book. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, before okay. Netflix became like a proper thing. And sh- anyway, is anyway. that the metric by which we measure time? No, because, uh, <laughs> look, I've got a whole rant about this. this BN and AN. <laughs> <laughs> In the Lord of our Savior. Look, Netflix. I just think it's interesting. Year the whole one. book, the whole Save the Cat book is written from the perspective of someone who writes really good comedy films, like comedy family movies. Yeah. Before Netflix changed the filmmaking dynamic in Hollywood. And those right, movies yeah. don't really get made anymore. Yeah, so, true. Anyway, find it interesting. Maybe he should update it. I there's been more books since then. They're just a lot less popular. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, little I could I could go on about this page. Opening image slash prologue. Han and Chewie investigate a kyber laser being built on the outer rim. The operation is a trap set by the First Order, and Han and Chewie are taken captive by General Phasma. Phasma orders a soldier FN two one eight seven to escort them to the brig. During the scene, we get some comedic relief between this soldier, who will later be named Finn, and Han and Chewie. Finn is seen to be fiercely loyal to the Empire. Yes. Now, context, Imperial remnants yes. still exist. They're much weaker. They're a sort of a combined hodgepodge of uh, criminal underworld sort of uh, organizations and, and Imperial remnant stuff. And the yeah. First Order is just a particular one. First Order is just one of those chunks of Imperial remnant. And we'll see a lot more of that later. Um, but Phasma is kind of the, the big the big bat of this one. Yep. Any questions so far, Sandra? Sounds pretty familiar. Yep. Cool. My Your turn, turn yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. We have our theme stated. So, Ben Solo and Luke Skywalker train together on Arc 2, alongside a small academy of Jedi younglings. 
Luke tells Ben that he is too bold and brash and cares too deeply about his family legacy because this we have this the weight of the world is on Ben Solo's shoulders as yeah. he sees it. Uh, so that's yeah that of Han, Leia, and Luke himself in their heroics during the Civil War weigh heavily on his mind. Ben must learn patience and balance such as the key lessons of a Jedi. We will see later that Rey must learn a similar lesson, but in reverse. She cares about nothing, just herself. She must learn to find the balance in caring too much and too little. I think that's why Ben and Rey mirror each other so well. That's yeah. something that we've definitely like stumbled upon in a in hundred different ways. Yeah, Coming at Rey and Ben uh, as this like shared duo character and all the different ways we can come at it. But that seems to be like the simplest, most elegant way of putting it for now. Something to bring up now that we'll, we'll touch on this later on. We haven't mentioned here whether Ben knows about Darth Vader. No. And that's because Melo and I disagree on whether he does or not. Gotcha. Okay. I think it should be revealed in episode eight in the next film. Melo thinks he should already know now. I think that Either be, way, yeah. it doesn't bear on this story. No, no. Like, what kind of master is Luke? Luke here... Are we going to um, break into this now? Luke here is... We both agree he's a good master, but it's not perfect. Gotcha. And there's some friction there between the two. Because yeah. gotcha. ben, ben is just so brash and bold, and he wants yeah. to run out and be a yes. hero. My, my thing for Luke is that I've, I've never envisioned him being the right teacher for Ben. Yeah. I've always wanted yeah. him to be the right teacher for Ray. Interesting. Um, but I want, I want him and Ben to clash just because of different philosophies. And like, you know, Ben has this learning style and then Luke has this teaching style yeah. and they just don't quite mix. Adding to the immense pressure that Ben feels, which is entirely self-inflicted, I wanted him to already know about Vader. Yeah. Because I don't think that's something they that would keep from him. That would be part of Luke's teaching. So he's, he's constantly in this battle of how do I balance wanting to be a hero like you guys were, and he obviously misunderstands what that means, whilst also not falling prey to what Anakin fell prey to when they are very similar personalities. Yeah. See, my, my thinking for that is, and there is definitely some similarities to the reveal in Empire Strikes Back, I don't want Ben to have faced any tragedy or adversity until this film. And I just think that the whole Vader internal conflict is too strong and too interesting of an internal motivator for it for to be a part of this be... movie. Yeah, right. And then later on, once he has the tragedy of losing his dad, I really want that to be something that drives him in the next film when he discovers and really like really pushes him right up to the edge of being a Sith. Whereas, Interesting. That's where I'm coming from. Whereas my thing, and we'll open this to the listeners, is yeah. I, I just don't want to do the... Don't want to do the reveal. The Vader father reveal again. Which is fair enough. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very fair point. You don't want to rehash some of the, the, like, the greatest hits of Star Wars. You don't want to be just doing those same things again. Yeah. Anyway, that's a definitely yes. conversation for later. I just thought I'd bring that up now and then we'll move on into the setup. Ray, a lowly thief, steals her living on the mean streets of an outer rim space station. And I left this name submissions encouraged. If yes, anyone has any please. ideas, we can definitely brainstorm this later as well. I don't have a name for this. We can leave it. Rust there. Station. Rust Station. Scrapper City. Her boss is Ankar Plutt, a horrible gangster who runs the space station and works beneath the huts. We get a day in the life of Ray and her six things that need fixing. This is a term from Save the Cat. She's broke. She has no real job. She's bullied by bounty hunters and her boss. She has no ship or freedom, no safe place to call home, and most importantly, no real friends to look out for her. Look at you. I remember last week when we were discussing the six things. I'm like, that's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. And then you thought of six things. I, I just made them up. We can change yeah, any of those. Sure. It doesn't, they the six is like a, a lot. You don't really need six, yeah. but it's a good kind of frame of reference to help build character as well. She does, however, have Maz Kanata, a bounty hunter handler who helps Ray stay out of the gutter, giving her some jobs potentially. Still very nebulous on the relationship between her, Maz, and Ankar Plot. We can discuss. In this setup part of the story, Ray gets a job, a debt collection job, on a local bounty hunter who is money owing on his bar tab. The burglary, fuck, is nearly successful, 
but Ray gets caught and is chased through the oily streets of the space station, only narrowly escaping. We also set up that Ankar Plutt is currently out of town at some big meeting with all the crime lords. Mm. Now, so most of this, Mello, you and I wrote together. I've added some extra details. No, no, that's but... good. So I like the, the job thing. Yeah. Um, I, what, what we kind of saw Maz Kanata as being, Sandra, was kind of this, like, just, you know, w- we get a lot of bartender stuff or, like, you know, the diner and the, and the cantina and stuff in Star Wars. But what we don't get, which is a key Western staple, is the wise advice giving bartender. Always yeah. cleaning a glass, always good for a chat. Yes. Which is, which is how we see awesome. Mascanada. And such a fun character archetype. Yeah. Because we mm. just see, oh, droids, you don't serve droids here, you know? Yeah, they don't really yeah. talk to the bartender much in no. A New Hope. So we want this bartender. Uh, and it's just, it's just nice for Ray to have just some sort of wise figure just at the start. Yeah. Before them being thrust into the yeah. adventure. Or some kind of, you can't just have it be awful and bleak the entire time. I think that's one of the weaknesses of The Force Awakens. It shows Ray's life sucks, but it sucks so hard that you can't even relate to her because she's got nothing and no one to even come close to a support system. At least Maz is sort of neutral and distant, but has some kind of kindness towards Ray. Yeah. Now, the oil bit. I just want to touch I, on that for a second. We, I think, did you throw this idea I did, out? yeah, yeah. That yeah. it's an oily space station? It's like greasy. Because it's uh, just grease and oil everywhere. Yeah, because it it's just like living within a machine, I'm essentially. Yeah. getting more of a vibe of this space station, and I think I know what the name should be called. What's the, you got it, an idea? Let's it throw it should out. be called, is it Downtown in Robots, the movie? Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, now you've got the like the aesthetic <laughs> down pat. That's where my mind went immediately. That's glorious. That's, uh, that's mm. perfect. Yeah, no, because I had this thought where it's like, okay, so walking through the streets, it's kind of like Blade Runner-esque, but instead of standing in a puddle of rain because it's a space station, yeah. it's a puddle of grease. No, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's disgusting. Here's so instead of is... being covered in dirt, you're all covered in grease. Here's something that Fine. is very Star Wars. If there is some kind of like bios- like fake atmosphere that they've built and it's yeah. gotten completely corrupted and it rains oil now, mm, that feels really leaking. Star Wars in like a weird science fantasy kind of way. Yeah. And she's running through these like the rainy streets, but you got to keep yeah. an umbrella. Yeah. If you're rich, you got an umbrella to keep the oil off. You know, yeah. I don't know. There's yeah. something fun it's there. It's steam vents and it's oil. Oh, dude, it's slow Blade Runner, but even worse. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's fun. So the droids just like stand out in the rain. Oh, like, oh, oh it's really free oil droid bar. haven. That's awesome. Okay, you're right. Says, says, so that's the setup with Ray. That's yeah. what we see. And I think we've got a lot of time here to really explore like what the mean streets of the space station look like. It's our first main like set piece and we're going to do more action stuff here as well. So. Yeah, right, right. So... Arc 2 is not really like a main set piece. No. Yeah, okay, cool. No, no Arc, Arc 2, it's like we'll see it twice and then it's gone. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah we're moving on. Okay, so our catalyst and inciting incident, General Phasma, has called together a meeting of the leaders of the Imperial Remnant to the Outer Rim, alongside the biggest leaders of the crime world to offer them a deal. Phasma wants to go to war with the New Republic, beginning with destroying Hosnian Prime. None of the leaders want to join her crusade, and so she activates her Kyblazer, destroying the capital city of Nalhutta, the Hutt homeworld. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Finn reacts in horror, as in his eyes, Phasma has just betrayed the Empire by firing, firing on other Imperial Remnant leaders. So they were on. They were all on Nalhutta together. together. I'm thinking but, maybe some of them Skyped in hologram-wise. Yeah, and then, but most were physically there. And yeah. None of them joined her. None of them wanted to join her. No, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's this kind of like you know. So she's up on her ship the hologramming in and then all down there and she's gum- coming at it from such a radical view where they're like we're still remnants we're still we're still building and but but you know they don't know what she knows that she has a kyber laser yeah so she has a means and she thinks she's ready uh so in a moment of pure action finn steals phasma's key to the kyber laser so this is something good i have to talk about come back yeah. to later do i keep going with these other notes um yeah yeah keep yeah. going with those other. so just ignore the kyber laser key for now we're gonna touch more on that in a second yeah. but 
Once cool. the, fi- the la- laser gets fired, we cut over to Luke and Ben. We immediately cut to Luke and Ben, who wake up in the middle of the night. They sense the destruction. Luke tells Ben to meditate with him, and they listen to what else the Force can tell them. We cut back to Finn, who is freeing Han and Chewie. We get a comedic back and forth between these three as they haphazardly escape Phasma's ship on the Falcon. Happy to stop it there, I think. Oh, oh keep, keep going? This is okay. still like part of the inciting incident okay. section. So Luke and Ben sense that Han and Chewie are in trouble. Ben wants to run off to save them both. Luke cautions Ben, however, telling him that the Force is not always precise with its visions and that things are seeing, th- things they are seeing may not be exactly as they are. So one of their Jedi acolytes, Law Santeca, will be arriving in a few hours and will have more precise news on what is happening and what they should do next. Phasma discovers the theft of her firing key or, or whatever this you know, sort of key device is and becomes enraged, putting out a huge bounty on Han, Chewie, and FN-2187. So just quickly with the key thing, if you take out the key from these scenes, it doesn't really change a whole lot. She's still enraged that yeah. Han, Chewie, and Finn have left, so yeah. she puts out the bounty either way. The We're playing point. with this idea of the key. We're going to talk about that later. That definitely comes a lot more into effect in Act 3. Um, but just imagine a nuclear launch code style like FOB you put in and twist. Yeah, yeah. you do the whole briefcase thing. And yeah, you even, even as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're, we're toying whether or not to do a sort of MacGuffin-based thing. But regardless, they have escaped, so that's yeah. enough. So that's yeah. the big inciting incident. Phasma assembles this Acme pa- panel style of like the worst of the worst of the Outer Rim. In that, though, it'd be really interesting, though, Sandra, because you'd see old sort of like imperially dressed uh, officers. You'd see like a hut. You'd see like Bounty a member of the stuff. Black Sun. You'd see Uncar Plot. Uncar Plot. Wait, so she didn't... If there's some old Imperial officers, did she kill every remnant then? Not every remnant, but the idea of this scene is that she has hit a huge amount of power in the Outer Rim. Right, gotcha. And taken them out all the Oh, okay, okay. So she hasn't really killed the entire force of those remnants. No, just no, their, their leaders. leaders. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. I do. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm, for, I'm all for that. I thought she was just killing all of them, and I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> no, yes. so this city is like a crime world city, and they've gathered yeah. Imperial Remnant and crime leaders, okay, so and they've taken them all out. She's gotten the go. bosses, and yes. now she can recruit all, all the underlings. Yes. And all the underlings. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cut, you cut the head off the monster. You're free to use the body however you'd like. Use the body like a puppet. Yep. Gross. Okay. (laughs) Sure. And then immediately after the laser fires, Luke and Ben wake up in the middle of the night. They sense the destruction. And then we get some intercutting between them as Finn and Han and Chewie escape off the ship together. Uh, Obviously unlikely allies in the situation. Finn Mm. has turned against Phasma because his internal motivator is his love for the Empire. And he believes that it works. And he thinks that Phasma is on the same side. And then she destroys in his eyes, she betrays the rest of the Imperial Remnant. Even though they're not like the same groups, they have the same goal, ultimately, is how he sees it. And Phasma's gone against that. Groovy. Do we get Dyad stuff there? Uh, no, definitely not yet. Dyad stuff think. might have already happened. Shared dreams, perhaps. but uh, In this one, and what I've been pitching is that no, no proper Dyad stuff happens until like Act 2. Right, uh, that that's also until they have a crossover. Yeah, yep. until they like meet each other yep. and then like kind of. In which that can okay, be like an activation point. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and then yeah, so they escape. Luke and Ben then have like sort of a bit of an argument about whether to run out straight away or to wait for more information. And then Phasma puts out the bounty. That's the really important stuff. We will cover the key later. But potentially, Finn has st- stolen the key that activates the Kyber laser. So the debate. Ben Solo begins prepping the ship for launch. There's a, a transport ship that's on Arc Two. Gotcha. Uh, and he argues with R2, uh, who's saying, like, you know, beeping at him. And then Ben's <laughs> like, I want to go and save dad, et cetera, et cetera. Ben's late for R2. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got Fucking a bit of, like, don't. does R2 go with him? Does he not? You know. Yeah, yeah. does R2 go with him? Does he not? Um, Like, what is the, situ- what is the situation? Now? How how does he escape from Luke without Luke noticing? That's, That's still true. a bit of a question mark for exactly oh, okay, how that right. scene plays out. Yeah. If R2 didn't go with him, he would tell Luke. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, right. And then either way, 
He leaves on his quest to save Han Solo and doesn't listen to Luke Skywalker. Gotcha, gotcha. We then cut to Rey. Rey discovers that Ankar Plutt and a bunch of the other big players on the Outer Rim were just killed. She is free now, but has nowhere to go, no money, and no ship. So she goes to Maz Kanata, but on the way, she pickpockets a bounty puck from the same bounty hunter she stole was her mark in the first part in the setup. Uh, she sees this sort of as a way of payback for her painful chase through the streets. She's kind of a bit petty here. Like, oh, I can steal from this guy who, you know, made me trip and fall and, like, graze my arm or, like, hurt me in some way. <laughs> landed me in a grease puddle. Landed me in a grease puddle, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, and so she steals the bounty puck is, like, a, a small act of he revenge. Like sleight of hand plus eight. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then, much to her surprise, she has found a golden ticket. A bounty worth a million credits for the capture of Han Solo, Chewbacca, and the First Order Trooper, FN-2187. Do we see get to see what the bounty hunter looks like? Oh, yeah, I, I want to give you guys and not me the job of designing is the that cool bounty hunter. Oh, well, what I was going to do cool is... that cool cameo time? I think I was just going to steal the Crimson Corsair. Crimson Corsair design that's, rocks. Yeah, that's yeah. So have it be the Crimson Corsair. And him done. just, like, tapping his pockets, like, yeah. where's my yeah. bounty puck? Ray sits down with Maz Kanata to discuss what her options are because she wants freedom but has no idea how to get it. Maz gives Ray some good advice about the difference between freedom and purpose, but they are interrupted when the bounty hunter storms back into the bar looking for the puck. Oh, no. As Ray is getting surrounded by bounty hunters, Ben Solo enters the bar and overhears the name of his father getting tossed around. He leaps into action and a bar fight ensues. Maz manages to usher Ray and Ben out of the chaos, tell Ben that he's a fool for coming here without Luke. Ben doesn't care and offers to fly Ray to Finn if she agrees to lose the bounty on Han and Chewie. Seeing no other option, Ray agrees and they hurry out of the bar to the greasy rooftops space station. Ray joins Ben in his stolen transport ship and they fly off towards Takodai. Okay, so I might need to stop you there. Yeah. That's it? That's the beat. Yeah, okay. There's, there's a lot happening. There's a lot in this there's, debate section, yes. yeah. Okay. So we pre-established when it comes to Ben and R2's conversation that Maz Kanata is an ally yeah. and kind of like a really good first point of call in the outer rim. Yep. When trying to find shit out. Yeah, sure. No, no, that okay, that that makes sense. Yeah. And that's why Ben heads to Masconata. Heads to Masconata. Um so Ben enters, here's his name getting his Look, name I threw this together around. this morning. The the important part of this scene is that Ray is there and her, she is stolen from this bounty hunter to get this puck. The bounty hunter comes back to get the puck and then Ben jumps in to try and save Ray. Yeah, it, no, it's just it's just a chance for him to be a, a hero. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. My my following question is why Ben needs gets Ray to go with him. That's a good question. So Ray has the bounty puck and we're assuming that somewhere in this kind of chaotic scene, she gets a bit of information about where Han, Chewie, and Finn are supposed to be. Yeah. As with the bounty hunter would have been tracking them now, down. Yeah. Now, whether that is the fact that, yeah, the, the bounty hunter's done some of the legwork or the First Order had a tracking device on the Falcon, which seems the Imperial way. Yeah. It's also happened again. So that'd be a really funny callback. It would be, but yeah. it's also like, why would Phasma put out a bounty hunter? If you're not expecting it. Yeah. Either way, some sort of establishment that we would know enough of a gen general sort of area where yeah. where they're heading. Yeah. And how do we make it also then feel like that it's Ray's decision? That's a good point. Because um, um, it feels like she's kind of having the decision made for her here. Yeah. No, it is. It is this, you know, the debate section of like, do I run out into the galaxy and try and get a bounty that will give me the freedom that I want and get like a bunch of mm. money? Or do I kind of stay here free from uncut plot, but still living in my kind of shitty life? That yeah. presenting that question, making it very clear that, you know, those are her choices uh, and then her deciding to go with Ben. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing about her joining with Ben is that Ben has the ship, so she has the potential for going on this adventure. They're going to join together. And she has the bounty puck and potentially have it be that she only has the way of finding the three of them. Yeah, she doesn't have a ship Yeah, because she's a local. She, she lives here. She has no other means of getting off. So they really should have no choice but to work together, and the choice is whether to do it or not. Pretty much. And also, like... She might be, in a way, a little defenseless without him, especially, you know, this sort of trouble. She just got into a 
with a bounty hunter, yeah. how on earth is she going to like, you know, go on this galaxy spanning adventure to go and kidnap these three, you know, two, two like war heroes and a stormtrooper? Yeah. Just as her. Exactly. Mm. Right. Gotcha. But yeah, so they each have something that the other needs in order to find the people they're looking for. Yeah. Because Ben needs the puck. Ben oh, needs the, yeah, like the coordinates, the direction, and that's what Ray has. But she's selfish. She would not give that up. Yeah. Got you, got you, got you. And Ben's not just going to take it off her by force. I guess no, not. No, no, because no, he's not a bad person. Cool. Okay. So Maybe that's a question. Deal. That could be a question that is brought up. He's like, I could just like take it off of you or something. And then they have like a bit of like a competitive back and forth. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and she's like, try it. I think, I think he'd, if he were to do that, though, it'd be more of like a, I could just take it from you. And yeah. so, but it, but it, he doesn't, he doesn't really mean he doesn't intend it. It's kind of just a, like a, you know, maybe you should give And this also could be the potential, like, beginnings of some romance. Like, that could be the reason. Maybe he's crushing <laughs> on Ray, and that's why he doesn't just immediately punch <laughs> her in the head. He's stuck on an island for 16 years. Uh, or, you know, like, Are however doing... long he's been there. <laughs> sees sees young woman of same age, instantly falls in love. <laughs> that we... seems pretty legit. Anakin Padme. Are we exactly. doing Raylo? Or I guess in this case, Ren? I mean, potentially. Potentially. I don't know. Well, I think we're selling it up. I think that's okay. Not wrong with that. Okay, but, but, it's, but it's all it's this is all secondary to the fact that the real romance that we'll introduce in episode eight is Finpo. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> More on that oh, later. That's, that's where the focus is. Okay, break into Act Two. Yes. So Luke waits as Law Santeca steps off his transport ship, and they catch each other up on everything that's happened. Luke then leaves with Law to take care of the young. Or Luke leaves Law to take care of the younglings as he flies off with R two to Hosnian Prime. We finally get Leia. Leia Organa and Lando Calrissian are in an emergency Senate meeting where hundreds of galactic voices shout about the recent news of a Kyber laser firing in the Outer Rim. Leia calls for an immediate rescue operation to save Han and Chewie. Senator Hux calls for all ships to be recalled to Hosnian Prime due to the imminent Kyber laser threat. He also calls for the long-needed construction of a New Republic Kaiser laser, which would mean overturning decades-old... You said Kaiser laser. Kaiser laser? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Wow, this, this thinly veiled... Analog dark. is just even thinner. Kaiser laser. Fuck it. Sounds oh, that's cool. gold. No. Sorry. Yeah. So, so like it, it, this would mean overturning, you know, decades old legislation that outlaws this shit. Leia responds by requesting a formal Senate debate and vote to determine the path forward to which Hux agrees. And that is the end of Act One. Yep. And I feel like there's pretty much rock solid. The rocky stuff is the launch, uh, is the firing key that Phasma has. And that is sort of like a plot MacGuffin. And a little bit of the... Yeah. Details around how Luke and Ben, uh, Ray and Ben, fall, yeah, fall Ray and Ben still into... like coming together. I think the only way to really nail that is to just write the scene script form or treatment form and, and really yeah. dive into those the character interactions there and make it fun and interesting. And are we seeing this through Luke's eyes, the Senate thing? Yeah, no, 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 no. no Luke yet. only leaves the planet and then we cut to Leia and Lando. It's yeah. just the two of them. It's one of those editing things where they're like, you know, we gotta go see Leia, cut to Leia. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. But they're um, all in the same place for that. Okay, and then does Luke appear at the tail end of the scene? No, not I yet. thought about doing that, but it just that's just some Game of Thrones season eight shit. No, we're I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little convenient. It's just a little bit too quick for me. Yeah, we need some time. Yeah, we'll get back to them. But okay. yeah, they'll they'll all meet up in Act Two and have some scenes together. Yeah, okay, yeah, yep. sure thing. But in terms of setting up all our characters, putting all the pieces in the play, and, and watching them spin onto the board, I feel like the, having the inciting incident after meeting Ray and Ben and doing all this stuff together, I'm really happy with mm. how this is shaping up, and yep. having Han and Chewie be kind of our damn in distress who managed to escape with Finn. Yeah. And having some really fun comedic relief there. It sets up, now it, now it, it might seem like a lot too, because it sets up 
like four different hero plot lines. Yes. And the villain plot line. But they do then consolidate into just two. Yes. So we sat so. and mapped it out because they it does start very broad because all of these characters, the villains and the heroes and everything are all starting in very different disparate locations. Yeah. But the further you go through the story, the more consolidated they yeah. become and the more like the, the fewer streams of story there are. Yes. And you can tell that there is also a consistent through line in the setup before and then the reaction to the firing of the kyber laser it's yeah all because of that incident yeah and yeah that's 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 something i was like arguing really hard for is like it just it has to be just the laser <laughs> because if we have too many things going on with like five or six different story streams and there's a different inciting incident for each one it's just going to be too messy so the laser kind of ties them all together um but yeah let's do break into act two was, you, was it just you who was just reading then or yeah. Me? yeah yeah cool. okay time for the guns and fame section Mellow, of course, refers to the fun and games part of the Save the Cat Beat sheet, which is usually my favorite part of any movie. We've got Act 2. Henry, you got anything you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it does start off very bored. It, it, like, it seems like it's quite smooth, but um, yeah, I guess, I guess my only like, sort of qualm on how that would translate is it feels like you're seeing like so many different perspectives. Like We have so many different characters, but we're all looking from a different perspective every time. Like yeah. We're seeing like race perspective from Ben's eyes on arc two. And then where we sort of just enter the room on a Hosnian prime with Leia and Lando. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then we have the Han and Chewie stuff and Finn stuff at the start of the movie, but also like halfway, th- like also a few scenes in afterwards of them escaping. And then, and then additionally, Phasma as well. It's a lot, a lot of different perspectives. Uh, look, when we paste it out though, I think it works. It because, is. Because so many of the stories lines are all like interwoven. So yeah. It's, it is it is a very sprawling, and that is kind of my issue with it, but I cannot think of any other possible way to really approach the story. And I think consolidating Finn, Han, and Chewie into one story thing has really yeah. helped us lock in that early part of the story there. Yeah, gra- yeah grounding a new character yeah. with one of the old characters. And having Finn be the perspective through which you engage with Han and Chewie, and even Phasma in the early part of the story there, because um, that's coming from his perspective, and then... The Arc 2 stuff is from Ben's perspective, and the Space Station stuff is from Ray's. Yep. So those are still our three main characters. Yes. Uh, and we only really start on Han and Chewie at the very, very beginning, and after that, it's all through Finn's yeah. perspective. Plus, there's kind of like, there's no other way we get the best of all worlds, which is yeah. old generation, new generation, and more importantly, villains. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's something that A New Hope has the luxury of doing when it starts the story, is it's like, you don't see... Uh, well, Luke everyone's Skywalker. dead. Yeah, <laughs> so, one. You don't see Luke Skywalker until 20 minutes into the film. But when you start it, it's just Leia and the Rebels, and then they get you know shunned out of the story for a bit, and then it's Darth Vader and the the robots. Yeah, and then the robots meet Luke, and then they're kind of so. Are we saying but... all the space station stuff is from Finn's perspective. Space station stuff is from Ray's perspective. Oh no, no, sorry. Um, like evil villain. The evil villain stuff in the first early part of the story is almost all from Finn's perspective because you need to show like why he cares about the situation, why he wants to run away. Yeah. Cool. After that, when we're cutting back and forth, it's going to become a lot more like the heroes versus Grand Moff Tarkin, and yeah, they're cutting sure. back and forth yeah. uh, with the okay, evil guys. Yeah. But it, it just yeah, it has to shift a little bit around so that we can have. You know, these three yep. characters come from completely different story areas to meet each other. Yeah. Mm. But also pacing wise. So it'd be a very, it'd be a long first act. We do think it's going to end up being a very long first act. Which I'm so fine with because like what we're talking about is the amount of content that they tried to uh, cram into Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And that was trash. <laughs> yeah. Because they just rushed through a billion different locations without explaining or establishing worlds or yeah. why characters are yeah, where they that's are. that's because movies that run for three hours long are bad, Carmelo. They are. <laughs> this one only runs for two and a half. Yeah, depending on like, you know, a million things and it's hard to predict like how long a movie will be. But 
I think it's safe to say that this movie deserves a really long first act because we have so many characters and perspectives to really set up and dive into. 20 and, years. And, and 20 years of, of history that we don't want to just throw out the window, which is exactly what the sequels did, and it's kind of our biggest problem with them. And really taking the time to establish where these heroes are and where these characters are and what they've been doing and what they're facing now with this new problem uh, and giving them the respect and time to do that deserves a really long first act but i think you know shortening the time up as we consolidate the stories and they kind of rush towards each other in the end point uh is what we're kind of heading towards but yeah okay that's the perspective we've got but shall we go into act two ben and ray get to know each other while traveling through hyperspace ben is cocky and charming while ray is cold and distrustful they arrive at takodana and land at the spaceport there the two hunt for finn together exploring the strange port city eventually finding finn trying to arrange transport with imperial remnant soldiers Ben and Ray try to get to Finn, but bounty hunters get there first, and a huge street fight breaks out. Ben and Ray manage to get Finn alone and offer him a deal, and he takes them into the sewers that lead out of town. But I feel like the, their dynamic will be a bit like like Han and Leia. Yes. Sort of stuff. That's kind know? of, yeah. yeah. Bounty hunters are going after Finn yes. as well. He's a part of the bounty, and other people got the bounty puck, assumedly. Gotcha. The same one that Ray's got. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. No, that makes we get sense. this fun little, like hit out with all these yeah bounty just a hunters. big street fight and you've got ray and ben trying to get to finn finn trying to get away from everyone and the bounty hunters trying to get to finn it'll be a bit of a, a chaotic situation yeah. and whilst fear definitely plays a a key it's still a key theme and plays a key role in all these characters lives i think we'll we'll very literally see that through ben uh, through finn especially in this he's portion. terrified well yeah he's just on the run and in my head he's now become our perfect comedic relief character because he's he's the unlikely hero that saves han and chewie and then they sort of crash land on Takodana together, which I haven't got in here, but it's happening somewhere in there, <laughs> like in the beachy. It can happen off screen and be explained, explained later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they get like they get winged in the escape out of there, and they sort of crash land on the planet. Doesn't matter. And then you know, in this scene, he's going to be the comedic relief as well, trying to just escape everyone. Hmm. And then when Ben and Ray get him alone in a, in some kind of alleyway, and they offer him this deal, he's like, "Fine, sewers," and they mm. jump into the sewers. Yeah. Some but also, like, put a gun in his hand. He's still fantastic. Oh, he's so, still good. He's yeah. still a soldier. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. My turn, your turn. So, uh, you take this next bit of fucking okay. games. So uh, Luke arrives on Hosnian Prime and talks to Leia, who asks for help dealing with Hux so that the New Republic can save Han and Chewie. At this point, Han and Chewie manage to radio into Leia and Luke and reveal Phasma's plan to destroy the New Republic capital on Hosnian Prime. Ben, Ray, and Finn ex exit the sewers into the jungle of Takodana and begin their long walk to the Falcon. During their adventure, they bicker in the hot jungle, must work together to fight off a jungle monster, and have a nice scene around a campfire before sleeping for the night. During their dreams, Ray and Ben both share a force vision, which wakes them up in time to fight off a bounty hunter, or potentially an aforementioned jungle monster, if we might just like yeah. allude to it. Yeah, so the jungle, the jungle monster stuff and all the fun and game stuff can be kind of put in any order to make the best, most entertaining possible fun yes. and game section, but it all, it all works and fits really well yes. in there. We've finally got the jungle adventure, yes. we're making it work. It is. But it is, it is at this point that I have to bring up the point where it's like, is this where we're seeing some some uh, le slightly less than subtle force stuff from Ray? Yes. Not, not just in the visions though, right? Oh, okay. So I've been hard against this because I don't believe you should be using the force without training. But no, Mello, you shouldn't be using the force without training, but it's... Yeah. It's it's stuff like the fact that Anakin as a nine year old can is a really good pilot. Luke is a really good pilot. Now they're they're both the same example. Yeah, we've only ever seen it used when it comes to piloting, and I believe that there's other ways that we can show we get, like, subtle that, force ability. Like that near death experience with Luke in the Wampa Wampa Cave. Yeah, but he had been shown that the force is a thing by then, and he had had Obi Wan like use the force, Luke, and then maybe he'd been like, I guess I'll guess I'll try some shit. 
you know, and try and learn the Force stuff. But the difference with Rey is, like, this is her first adventure, and I love the idea that she's using it without it being obvious, but I don't want there to be, like, a super jump or a force pull. I'm thinking more, like, in the street fight in the spaceport, maybe she's just landing shots like crazy, and yeah. she's really lucky when it comes to blaster shots. Dude, I was even thinking of something as, as, like, bloody just some sort of sense. Yeah. Some sort of sixth sense in a, a little way, where it's like, you know... Like a spider sense, like uh, she, kind of a spider sense. Right before the monster before comes the monster up, she sense. has um like, she has that um Peter Parker in Spider Man Two when he knows the car's getting thrown at but, him but in not, the cafe, but, but not so obvious. I would I wouldn't mind a very subtle thing like that where she just turns and it just so happens to be slightly before something happens. Yeah, yeah. But it, that's kind of hard to get across in the script uh, without it. And it's, a, it's a visual thing. It's a it's, it's, it's a, a it is more of like a visual directing thing yeah. as opposed to uh, something that you'd write into a script. Because if you're putting it in the writing, it feels like you know it's a it's a Chekhov's gun thing. If you're gonna put it in there, it's got a you know the the bullet has to hit in the third act kind of thing. And I don't really see a third act bullet hit in, of Ray using the force powers like There's that. There's a big fight in the third act. Yes, her, her her detecting a, a blast of fire bolt before it hits her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that same sort of extent. Okay, midpoint? Yeah, midpoint. Actually, before we do uh, move on from that, we had a little thing there where I mentioned that uh, potentially Han and Chewie are doing repairs on the Falcon. Yeah. And they managed to get a, a message through to Leia from Takodana and yeah. say like, oh, this is Phasma's plan. She wants to destroy Hosnian Prime, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of where we see Han and Chewie re-enter the story in a way. And I think that's the only the only note. Sandra, you got any questions about this, uh, the fun and game section? Uh, no. But yeah, so that's our fun and game section. In no particular order, we have adventure through the jungle. They're bickering with each other. Uh, they fight off a jungle monster, they have a nice scene around the campfire, and then we have Ray and Ben share a force vision. Nice. So those are the things that we definitely have in mind for what our scenes look like in fun and games. Then, midpoint. At the end of their adventure, they find Han and Chewie at the almost fully repaired Millennium Falcon. Ben gets to reunite with his dad, but Ray is not happy with the new deal. She still wants money, and it's looking like she won't be able to get any of the bounty targets. So she decides to call in Phasma. Phasma attacks, and all the characters are captured. And potentially, Phasma gets her launch key back for the, for the Kyber Laser. So these are all in brackets because it's like, will it? Will we do this? Will we not do this? Will we won't? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the midpoint. That's the thing that changes everything and reveals the rest of the story. Yeah. Interesting. Do we talk about the key now, or do you still want to talk about the key later? I will circle back to the key when we get to the third okay. act section. Yeah. We're nearly there. It's more crucial there. Yes. Um, it is very crucial in the third and, act. And yeah, and it, uh, the key thing I don't mind later because like, so we originally had it, Sandra, that it's like it all happen in this act 2b section as we're going to go into yeah. um and then it only becomes a player within the back half of the film for us it's just added it to the front half because it can also work there it can also work there and you know like i just mentioned with Chekhov's gun if you know you fire a gun in the first act it should hit in the third act yeah. i feel like something like that is plot integral like a key similar to the goober from spider-verse yeah if you're going to use it in the third act it should be there in the yeah. first that's the thing i've always found really impractical impractical about Chekhov's guns yeah they just fire so slowly <laughs> Bad guys close in. So, during the Senate debate, it's clear that Hux has the upper hand, but the debate is sealed when, a, when an assassin tries to kill Hux. Luke prevents this, but Hux has won. The threat of the First Order has already reached Hosnian Prime. Disgusted, Leia resigns from the Senate and leaves with Luke. We'll stop there, sorry, Mello. I definitely you, took some creative license with that that's one. That's okay. Because we never agreed no, on no, whether that, the assassination yeah. would well, happen. It's good. Uh, but it, I just chucked it It in. skips <laughs> the thing that we don't have time for anymore, which is dinner scene. Yeah, but, we do, yeah. But... Okay, the assassin, though. Yeah. Is it from the First Order? Uh, potentially, or it could be a setup from Hux. I would much rather it be from Hux. Yeah. As a, as a political sort of uh, device, you know? Yeah. Cool. But then he's showing that the Jedi are more than capable at defending. Uh, so well, that's not a part of it. That's not really a part of the debate get, in this one. I get it, but also, like, it also brings into question, oh, why, why wouldn't that, like, 
upboost morale from the Senate for Jedi and also incorporate them into their new force. Because it's more about, like, Leia is trying to get a rescue team together to go and save Han and Chewie. And Hux is like, no, bring all ships back to Hosnian Prime, maximum defense, and then we start building our own laser. It's more like a nationalist versus, like, yeah. trying to stay the course. I like what you're saying, though, because we can we can flesh this scene out to the extent where it's like, if Luke is there, visibly, as a public figure, you no, know, we now welcome the presence of Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, and a lot of people are like, ooh, ooh. a lot of people are like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Lightsaber-wielding fuck. Whoa. Vader's <laughs> Jesus. fucking son. <laughs> fuck off. Get I, out of here. I feel like Luke Skywalker... Stopping an assassination in a Senate room would like be cause for applause. It's like when Harvey Dent punches the guy with the gun on the stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the dark yeah. Night. No, that's fair. And that's why it's still kind of nebulous as to how this whole assassination plays out. And even if we bother with it, because mm. the important thing is that Hux wins and Leia loses and leaves yes. the Senate. That's yeah. what really matters. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, my point from that being though is like, like someone, Luke's presence can simply prompt someone to raise us, like, you know, why were the stuff with the Kyber Crystal? We have the Jedi here. Well, let's call it Jedi and then Luke can have his moment to, you know, say to them, it's like, I am not involved in your bullshit. Yeah, no, the no. Jedi and the, the Republic should not be, like, conjoined like they yeah, were. Cool. In the, yeah, in the and that might piss a bunch of people off. We don't get a scene of Luke landing on Hosnian Prime? I did seem to have skipped that. Oh, we'll have to. But that we does happen. That it, does yeah. happen. Oh, no, no. Luke arrives on Hosnian Prime and talks to Leia, and then Han and Chewie radio call them from Takodana. Gotcha. That happened in Final okay. Games. Once again, trapped aboard Phasma's warship, Han and our heroes try to form an escape plan. Ben is furious with Rey, but Han wants to give her a second chance despite her betrayal. He understands Rey and was once a lot like her. They, uh, they launch the escape plan just as Leia and Luke come to break them out. Phasma closes in, and during the escape, Han Solo is fatally shot. Yeah. So again, I don't know... I can't imagine the the mechanics of this action set piece, yep. but I know that's the important thing that needs to happen. Yes. Uh, on their way out, Han is fatally shot. Yeah. Sacrificing himself, and it has to have an effect on Luke and Ben's relationship. Yeah, I right. think so. I so, so. Ray, Ben, Finn, Han, Chewie are all trapped all on trapped. this base. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Luke and Leia come in to break them out? Yes. Just Luke and Leia? Uh, yeah, I suppose Maybe so, yeah. Lando flying the Falcon. Um, I'm still not sure what to do with Lando because Leia resigns from the Senate, but yes. I don't. Know, I don't think Lando should because yeah. he wants. We want. We want him to be like the the man on the ground sort of thing, the man on the street in the next movie. Yeah, to like, like what's he, happening. He still movie. needs to be. Yeah, their political sort of like voice. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, or just like info person. Yeah, but then this this is what I'm imagining is like we get the old gang back together and our new characters, and they get one last hurrah before Han Solo gets shot, yeah, sacrificing gotcha. himself to help them get off the the ship. Yes. So whilst we've you know. We've only had like a, a video call with all of our old heroes, and then we get this little rescue scene before we are going to kill this one. Is rescue scene like a big scene? That's a big this scene. This is a big scene. This is yeah. the big thing yeah. of Act so 2B. Is Luke Skywalker yeah. really showing off in this? Do we get Luke Skywalker? Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah, sure. Because I don't <laughs> imagine them like sneaking on like how they snuck onto the Death Star in like costumes. No, they can fight their way in and out. Yeah. And also, we they have R2D2 potentially who can cause a distraction. Yeah. We get. <laughs> We get Luke's equivalent of the Vader hallway scene. <laughs> different to the Mando but doesn't, scene. D- different to the Mando scene where he's not, he can't cut him up because he's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He's just like fucking flinging him like ragdolls into the walls. <laughs> Everyone's unconscious. No BB-8. BB-8's raised droid doesn't really matter. I honestly was thinking, I'm like, we could scrap BB-8 from this entirely and have him introduced in the next movie. Okay. You know, you know I always it's hate It's more this. a question rather than a, yeah. a whip. Here's my... Here's my argument for bb8 and it's a weak argument but it's also one that each of us are used used at some I point i love him 
He's great. Star Wars has droids. BB-8 is a droid. He therefore, cute. we need BB-8. Nah, yeah, no, true. Yeah. We have we have used that argument before. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, just a he's, hard he's just, set argument. Yeah. We'll yeah. just say it's it's he's raised droid and he can be helpful and he can be a hindrance. Now, you know? We've gotten way closer to the end of the show than I thought we would. So I'm just going to quickly bang out the low point, which is our last beat that I've written down. Sick. And then we'll have an open discussion. Cool. So our heroes manage to escape on the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo dies surrounded by his friends and family. Oh. And Ray. And Ray. <laughs> and, and Finn. Yeah. They're there and too. Ray and Finn and BB-8. <laughs> ben is filled with rage and blames Ray. Ray is distraught and confused by the Force. Luke and Leia must help them both. Kind of nebulous. And this is where we're really getting to running off the tracks of this one. Because now we've hit almost Act 3. Yeah. And it's a lot of question marks of how this And Phasma has the key. And yes. Phasma has the key? Or doesn't she have the key? We're not sure. No. Because we're not sure about the key yet. All so right. Let's, so <laughs> that's what we're diving into now. I will unpack that bit first. Because there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, some really great moments we get to have. So I've, I've pitched a while back this, yeah. this scene between Ray and Luke. In which they have this. Obviously he knows that she's got the force. He's just... He's, he's just like that. And they have this like nebulous conversation about, you know, this, this feeling inside of her that she's always suppressed without, without ever talking about the force, beating around the bush bit. I love yeah. it. We have some don't talk to me dad moments between Ray, uh, between Ben and Luke as well. This is just like the Falcon, sad times on the Falcon part two yeah. at the yep. end of A New Hope. Yeah, but it's real sad times. Actual sad times. Not no, just... Luke was really sad about everyone dying. Yeah. And you know what about sad? Ray? Yeah. The people in this one, we make up for it because they get their time. Exactly. So they all go back to Hosnian Prime, though. That's a given. So that's what we're thinking is the the fourth action set piece. It's uh... the it's the final, the third act, big big dramatic conclusion is on Hosnian Prime because uh, Phasma, that's her target now. She wants Interesting. To she wants to destroy the yeah. New Republic. And I guess now if she has the key, she has the power to do that, and that's where she's heading. And that would be our big action set yes. piece. But then, this is, you know, we've talked about this, Miller, is it would be, you know, shot for shot, a New Hope, where, oh, she's rounding, she's charging up the laser to fire on Hosnian Prime, the capital city there. And that's why we were like, okay, well, what if they take the key in the low point or just before they ex escape Phasma's ship? Uh -huh. And the whole crux of the action is Phasma trying to get that key back. Um, so the While key's getting still like, launching like a, yeah. a space battle. So, so that's, that's why she's boots on the ground on, on the streets yeah. of Hosnian Prime. So that's why initially the key was maybe set up as something that Phasma has, but wasn't stolen initially until this this you know act 2b action point so that in the third act it's like she'll launch in a uh, like a space fight as a distraction to go onto the ground and get this key back cool so we're going to talk about the key now yes okay it's Here, finally time to talk about here's the key. my pitch for this key and why i think it works a lot of what we've talked about with this with the, with the whole kyber laser thing in general is that they are a pretty really interesting analog for uh nuclear weapons which yep. is sort of how they used in the original trilogy as well and but they don't go into it. They don't go into it too much, but having just, you know, a key that sort of looks like nuclear launch codes and having Phasma be like, this is mine, no one else gets this, this is my thing. Yeah. And um, that's how I she, don't trust anyone. That's how she walks around the ship too, being yeah. like, Haha, fuck you, Stormtrooper, this is my key, you don't get a key, I get a key. How does Finn steal it then? Finn steals it off her <laughs> and runs away with it. And that's why, and that's why she puts out a huge million dollar bounty okay. on Finn. Cool. I, you hadn't quite told me until... You told me that only she gets to hold it. Yeah. Because initially, the idea of a key, whilst like I get the I get the callback to sort of like this Cold War, will they won't they use these weapons? Yeah. Kind of thing. It seems like a good way to implement this item. Where it loses me is Phasma's already keen and already has shown that she will use this item. Yes. So the sort of like question on the key being like a significant item is like or loses the all moment that gravitas. you see in like first like X Men First Class yes. where they're like oh they're hovering right above it they don't want to fire the thing. 
is not exactly the parallel we're getting in this movie. It's more yep. like Phasma really wants to use this. And she's going to do gonna it. She's going to use this item. Yeah. Then, then there's another question of like the Death Star tech never needed a key. It was always just, you know, oh yeah, charging sequence. Blam, 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 exactly. blam, blam. I mean, you can add a key to literally anything. Yeah. Like, you can just make it that, like, oh, it doesn't work, though, unless it's, like, initiated using this thing. It's the same same thing as a password, really. It's yeah. just a physical object. But that's one of my grabs of the key. But I, it becomes a bit more understandable where she's, like, very greedy with it. She's like, no, only I am, only I am like, worthy of this power. Yeah. It's very... Um, that's kind of where I'm coming at it from her character. And then her, like, intense desire to have it back is like, no, this is what makes me special is I have the power of destruction. The same way Palpatine yeah. dad uh, did 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, and she's our sort of like, that's our, our sort of like through line from the from Palpatine and Vader. Like mm-hmm. she sees herself as this embodiment of those two and what they stood for. Yeah. And, you know, it feels like she's, you know, got this divine purpose to yeah. restore the Empire. Fuck, that's something I never thought about before, that maybe she sees herself as the ultimate combo of Vader and Palpatine. Maybe that's interesting. Yeah. She's like, I've got the genius and strategy of Palpatine and the, the might and power. Yeah, and she can actually um, fight and Vader. weird suit. So my next thing, just following along with your guys's... Guys's? Geysers? Geysers. Uh, following along with you guys, or where you guys just ended, where they escape on the ship, but then she sends all boots on the ground. Why isn't she sending like like a space attack on them as they're escaping? This. Oh no, there would be. You'd need your. There'd of... be escape attack, but I, I think we just want the Millennium Falcon to get away and jump to hyperspace in that moment because gotcha. at the low point we've got Han Solo bleeding out. They, we can't be having a space fight there. Yeah, exactly. Han Solo's bleeding out corpse is waiting for a nice, beautiful, touching moment. But Phasma's <laughs> character-wise, it makes sense for her to send ships. out. Oh, she'd send ships out. I think we just need to have it be like they jump to hyperspace quickly. A quick hyperspace. Yeah. They had 20 years to properly fix the Falcon, and it doesn't have any problems anymore. <laughs> and they're right near hyperspace. But they just crashed it again. Damn. What's that? They just crashed it again. Yeah, but they fixed it. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. fine. No, no, I'm, I'm yeah. so fine with that. I see what you mean, and Phasma definitely would, but I think just for the emotional like moment of that, no, of that scene, it, yeah. it can't happen. Brings me to, I kind of really liked where you were in your episode three pitch. Yeah. where The um, final battle was at the space station. Yeah, and Phasma's downfall was like her personal like not it was a personal vendetta against personal vendetta like her how quick she is to anger and to revenge that it completely like undermines her like task i thought that was really fun like a really fun floor to the villain yeah additionally separate point now is if a key exists i don't see it not getting destroyed after it gets stolen that's a good point like they why wouldn't they just destroy the key key. no i have had that thought as well I've toyed with it not being a key, but a core piece of technology that it's like, okay, so if if, if in then, say, New Republic's hands, well, they could use that. Um, obviously, they need other shit to build kyber weapons, but I don't know if it's, it's a, if it's a key piece of technology where they where if they steal it, it's like, okay, so like the laser is disabled. Disabled, you can't use it mm, without yeah. this thing. Then it's, it's less personal to Phasma, but it's still core to her, you know, her weaponry. Yeah, yeah. but they'd still destroy it because... Like, as we've seen, the the galactic opinion is that these weapons shouldn't exist. Yeah. And we see that through Leia's scene, so I feel like they'd still destroy it anyway. The main heroes definitely would. They would try to destroy it. And I think that's a very good criticism of the key and why it doesn't exactly fully work yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my main issue with the key. I do see the reason for the key, though, obviously, because without the key, uh, Phasma can just go shooting lasers willy-nilly, and that's a bit, a bit yeah. insane. Exactly. Uh, my biggest problem with Act 3 is that we have the really tricky problem of having Ray and Ben are on the hero's journey, and this is their chance to overcome all of the challenges that have been put against them and to live 
and embody the theme through action yep. and really embody the story and do the third act thing. We also have Luke Skywalker there. Yeah. Makes it difficult. Well, so let's talk about that for a sec. So let's just, let's run with an idea that, you know, okay, putting the motivations behind it aside. Yeah. That Phasma with her newly assembled, you know, imperial whole group that she's got it is important yeah to establish quickly there is a scene in there somewhere where phasma is like cool i have killed all your leaders join me and they all join her yeah and her army like swells exponentially after a bit of objecting and maybe a bit of skirmishing and stuff like that yeah uh, which keeps her distracted for a good part of the film that's a good point um but anyway they do unite there is villains unite um and then they launch an attack on hosnian prime let's say within this bit we get our grand battle whilst we get a space battle no one core is involved in that like space battle it just has to happen so whilst on the ground we get some bits where it's like ray gets a chance to prove that she is embracing her true self more she's being less selfish so she gets to you know defend people say care about other people care about the greater cause we get to see ben kind of start to go off the rails want to do the quote hero thing as he misunderstands it and try to kill phasma yeah and luke trying to stop him doing that and then in turn potentially those two fighting we would have ben just be yeah kind of off the off the walls and then, you know, Ray might want to protect him from himself as well, stop him from going too far. He would just leave at the end of it all, you know, realizing that he's just lost and confused and disillusioned with Luke and the Jedi and just going his own way. Um, we, we can talk about resolution stuff because we're yeah. kind of aligned on where things end up. We definitely have a similar idea of what the resolution looks like. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so First Order doesn't get a big win here. No. Um, but they have, they have shown their hand enough to the point where it's like, they have now started a war. Yeah. The New yeah. Republic is fully embracing this Kyber tech and it'll take them as long as it takes. They live to fight another day. Hux lives to fight another day. Now is this, you know, new radical leader. Does the Imperial Remnant live to fight another day? Yeah, they all they run do. away. They do. They, yeah. they Including Phasma? I say yes. I've killed Phasma in my beat yeah. sheet, but we're still undecided on whether Phasma lives or dies. I'm leaning towards the, the yes the yes side yes to kill yes yeah. to live oh sorry yes to live yes to live yeah. yeah I want her to still be the through villain you know I want yeah. her to be a through villain as well I want to bring her back as a zombie and this is Sandro's giving me a funny look <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's continue with the known stuff um, <laughs> thanks <Yeah>. Cole <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty Cole four fan can idea god damn no, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that one hey, hey tell us what you think in the comments about zombie fast <laughs> about Star Wars zombie oh god having can, proven herself damn it in Having proven herself when it mattered most, uh, Luke would want Ray to. W- Luke would want to, you know, potentially train Ray to be a Jedi. And yeah. Which she'd say she's open to learning more about the Force, but not necessarily about the Jedi. She's ju- her journey over this film has been opening up to something larger. That is both meaning in in the Force and just learning to care about something other than herself. Mm. So my thing that I that I'm coming down on is that Ray learns to care about people and in particular Ben and Finn. Yeah. That she really like becomes friends with these people and that's what drives her to actually go to Hosmian Prime and give a shit about it at all because it's Finn and Ben there who need her help. Mm. And she wants to to help them and, and be their friends and ultimately like she'll need to save Ben and that's kind of her journey. This is on the Falcon. Uh, is, what, what do you mean? The, like when does she make this decision? Um, it'll have to be after the low point when she talks to Luke, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that's at which something... point she's stuck on the Falcon anyway. So it's just... exactly, I you know she could have an out somewhere, but yeah, I think um because to me what you said earlier about the space station being mm. really interesting because it makes Ray the direct antagonist to Phasma, and then it shows that Phasma it shows Phasma's flaw of just pursuing revenge and and vengeance and stuff and being so angry. And that really helps tie it to Ray's character. But in the grand scheme of the story, I think Mellows makes more sense to have the climactic battle be on Hosnian Prime because in the terms of the galactic threat, it makes way more sense 
to have that be a part of the story and to have the Battle of Hosnian Prime take place in the first movie. Plus, you yeah, always okay. you always ground the sort of grander journey that the character's gone on. So if Ray's learning to care about other people, we're just going to show that through yeah. the new friends. You know? And gotcha. I think if you look at something like Attack of the Clones, where it's like the whole third act takes place on Geonosis and you have the beginning of the Clone Wars really kick off with that battle of Geonosis, and you look at the grand scheme of like, oh, well, we're literally seeing the beginnings of this war. If we're seeing the beginnings of this war on a random space station that no one knows the name of, as opposed to on Hosnian Prime, the galactic capital of the New Republic, it's just a lot better in terms of world building and storytelling, if you get what I mean. Does this mean we're going to do war? <laughs> yeah, we're going to do war. What <laughs> do you mean? Star Wars? We're going to do Star Wars? We're yeah, going to do Star Wars? Yeah, well, that's what's great. Another, yeah, so core thing about the end of this film. This is the inception point of the war. This is our yeah. attack of the clones. We're not going to wait until episode eight to start the war. The war starts now. Yeah. With and this battle. The war like, kicks off here. Yeah. Which is great. This is great. Well, what, it's, it's good. Yes. This, is, this is good. And then our final point, where is Leia and, and Luke and then also Finn as well? Leia's key objective from here is that, right, she's done with the New Republic. New Republic has become something she can't agree with. Yeah. But... The ultimate threat of this kyber weaponry, which will tear the galaxy apart, mm-hmm. still exists. It is her purpose to now defeat it. So she'd have to assemble an independent strike force, a, a rebellion, as, as you will. A resistance, perhaps. Yes. Some kind of suicide squad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that would put our characters in a really interesting position where they're not with the big, grander, quote, good guys. They're yeah. not with the villains. They're yeah. somewhere by themselves, kind yeah. of underdogs. Yeah. yeah, and they're having to do the right thing. Yeah, you know? which I really like, and it's something we've been like, oh, well, you can't just have the heroes of the Republic be the main heroes of the movie because they have, okay, cool, we'll just use our infinite resources exactly. to solve all our problems. Plus, we've seen that, and we've seen what that leads to. What do you mean? Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, I guess as well. Like that, that There's kind of like an inherent Yeah, but there. okay, so is the continuation from this movie, though, trying to stop that war or trying to end it? It's trying, trying to, to stop st- the war. Stop the For tech. Sure. To stop the war. Yeah, stop like kyber weaponry being a thing in general. And that'll be like episode eight. I think we're really interested in seeing like an investigation into yeah. where's all this kyber shit coming from in the first place. Yeah. And mm. then that'll yeah. take us to the crime underworld. And then it, we can raise the real, the real philosophical question of let's look at the real world. Take away nukes. Where do we stand? It's a, you know what? What threats do we have against each other? It's a big topic to throw at the end of the show. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, no, um, for sure. But I, I, I do love diving into the whole Cold War stuff and the yeah. nuclear weaponry stuff. Okay. It's fun. So how do you imagine... Okay, can we circle back to the key? Yes. For me, it's hard to imagine why Phasma would be boots on the ground, and we don't want to do a space battle. We don't want it to have, like, oh, the, the, the lasers lining up to fire in Hosnian Prime, because we've done that before. We yeah, want to do something that. different, and we want to have... So the idea of Phasma sieging the, the capital on the ground, trying to take the fight to the city to get the key back, and that's the whole crux of the fight. If she gets the key, she wins. And then so when you talk about scheduling out a, a third act, it can be the fa- first part of that is Phasma sieges the ground, works in towards, and then you know they're having the fight. Hightower surprise, Phasma manages to get through, get the key, and then she manages to get on transport and escape, and they have their final duel on the shuttle as it's going back up to the ship and they're dueling inside the transporters, mm. which could be really fun. I feel like it would be interesting to, in a way, to like show off Luke's strength and then take him out of the final, final fight. Yes. yes. Is for him to disable the cannon at the, during the rescue. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about as well, is he, if he just permanently takes it out and there's no chance for it to be online ever yes, again. And which... then Phasma's like, well, I've got no choice but to do a ground siege. No, exactly. Is, is, is she then still... Does she even, that yeah. that spyfall she... would still launch the attack without her big weapon. Has she? Yeah. Has she... Or would she retreat and try come back another day? Well, that's day? the thing. I think, do we build that 
that false sense of confidence where she's like, ah, oh, fuck it, I might have my not have my lasers, but I have my force now. I have my I have, I have, I have my a massive army. Yeah. yeah. And then is the assumption she is still building her army after in between seven and eight? Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And okay, then it's cool. then it becomes this like an pretty, actual pretty force. formidable force. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. And it becomes a, a nuclear arms race. So if everyone's got to try and build up mm. their arsenal, and she's still getting ships from those imperial remnants and maybe like doing them up so that they also might have kyber yeah, technology it would as well. be like an opening crawl thing come eight where it's yeah. like she's kind of now t- she's taken all these imperial sects and she's taken the you know the underworlds the the, the you know the, and then just united them so kind of like the outer rim is her fucking playground to yeah. do with whatever so it could be a question of like did she just get too excited with the power too fast and go for a ground siege That's I, how it's we just like up. the key there's too many there's too many times where i'm like this key could be like either destroyed by the good guys yeah we make it the ring the Lord ring. of the Rings. It's, it's like, just, you can't just destroy it. One does not simply yeah. smash the ring. Because either way, if they're going back to Hosnian Prime, Luke's cutting that thing up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you have a lightsaber, you can't say, oh, it's lightsaber proof. It's just silly. <laughs> it's a Beskar key. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it, dude? <laughs> can't break it. Take it to that, that, like, get any forge just to melt it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just take it to a, a Mandalorian forge. Also, like, it's a key. You could make more than one key. And you can make more than one key. There's a bunch of things for it. Uh, <laughs> they go to, like, a, any, like, supermarket with, like, a key sh- shop in they the go, center. <laughs> they go to a uh, known galactic locksmith, Babu <laughs> Frick, <laughs> to get a replica oh, That's key. chill, guys. We'll just go to my old friend, Babu Frick. He builds all my <gasps> Babu shit. Babu Frick is the key master from the Matrix. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do love Matrix uh, Reloaded, but I don't know if we if that's the road we're going to go down, Sandra. I think we should have some Hugo Weaving clones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did someone say Palpatine clones? And it's just Played Hugo. By Hugo it's Weaving. just Hugo Weaving now. But yeah, so this these questions of what the third act looks like is definitely what Mel and I are going to be tackling this week because as you can see, we're pretty confident with the first act and then most of the second act as well. And the character journeys. And the character yeah. journeys are still there. You know, we're still having this really interesting growth and progression of Ray I think, making a really bad decision and regretting it later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's less question now in character journeys and even maybe yeah, just like tiny questions on. Plot specific details. Plot specific yeah. details. Which I'm Which happy to be there. Probably. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah, a good place yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you what, yeah. shit, it's like, been a long road, the, man. The, we've got the important thing. The thing yeah. That matters. Now that other shit. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we're closing off. So I'll give you that little thing that I was. We're getting oh, to the Jesus. end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, what, what's Ray's Spidey Sense moment for you, Sandra? Yeah. So I'm thinking during like certain scenes, like when she's stealing stuff on the space station. Um, and like in that bar fight and then later on in that jungle fight, she has, we like alert to a bit of a spidey sense. Okay. And then I didn't know like what the circumstance was where I just had this scene in my mind where she's up against like a first order person and it seems like she's about to go, like, it's kind of like a Western showdown thing. Okay. And it seems like they're about to like draw pistols, but she uses her spidey sense to like deflect the the first order's laser bolt with a lightsaber. Okay. But I don't know how she gets the lightsaber. I don't know any context for the setup there. <laughs> but I I'm just imagining like this is her big reveal that like, oh, she can like be a Jedi. Like yeah. she has the full capability to be a Jedi. And it's not like an insane power. Like this is something Luke learns on the ship on the way to the de- Death Star. Like this is like pretty standard Jedi training is deflecting something with a lightsaber. Yeah, like the reflexes to the anticipate reflex. the next movement of something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And it just okay. yeah, it it strikes me as like nothing like too OP. Something you can do without training. Um, something we see like Luke pick up within a matter of seconds. Yeah. On a, like a 
hyperspace journey. I personally would love to see that more in episode eight because I want it. I would love to have Rey define herself as a lightsaber and blaster Jedi. And just like a roguish Jedi, like we kind of see in uh, Jedi Survivor. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying her using a lightsaber and a blaster. I'm just saying like you in like the shot. I see aspect, what you mean. You but set it up like it's a Western. That's exactly what I'm saying. You set it up like it's a Western. You think she's going to use the blaster. And it's, you kind of get that, you know, if, if she's a Jedi, she's using a blaster and lightsaber. It makes more sense for it to be in episode eight where she does the deflect as well. And she's like, oh, she's really cool. She's got the ah, lightsaber. That's true. I feel like that works a bit better there. But I, I think there should be like a defining show of ability. I disagree. I think Rey has the skills of, she's pretty good with a blaster. In fact, she's sometimes freaky good with a blaster. I just don't see her as having enough time in this film to actually learn any force abilities because she's not with a master. She's with Ben, who sucks. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. Um, he barely understands. He's like, you know, a student. He doesn't know how to teach the force to someone. He knows he only sort of understands it for himself. That's why I think the like spidey sense aspect of the force is a good direction to go because it's something that can be learned passively or like can like pod racing being a crazy good pilot it's something that you can just passively it's kind of, of the thing that's always there through training away when when is someone shown to have spidey sense with the force that's why anakin can pilot um that's a good races. point that's a good yeah. point yeah it's like I th- it's a big deal behind like why they're such good pilots and yeah, Luke. Once again, Luke training on the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Look, man, it's that or four speed. So, <laughs> four speed. Pick, pick your option, man. No, I. Uh, yeah, I guess I just. It's just a hard bridge for me to cross to see Ray using the Force at this point in the story in Act Three. But mm. it also makes sense as really like a defining character moment to like dig down deep, use the Force, and overcome a, a challenge. Yeah, like I don't want to doing like a full thing where she runs around with a lightsaber. Yeah, I'm thinking this is a moment. Yeah, and like and nothing but, and it's sort of through the foreshadowing in earlier fights comes full circle. And I I think it's a lot more rewarding than rather her randomly being able to pull the lightsaber out of the snow from like miles away. Yeah. And then go into a full lightsaber fight with Kylo Ren. Oh man. If you think Force Awakens is better than Last Jedi, you go and reevaluate some shit. So I'm not not I have this they've both got weaknesses. I think Last Jedi is better. I have a bit of a weird idea where maybe Ben's trying to kill Phasma, yeah, at mm. the end, and maybe Luke's trying to stop Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've written. So that's far. what. There's definitely like versions of that that we've got. Yeah, because I don't. He wouldn't let him. He wouldn't let. It's no, when Luke Fa- definitely Phasma would. finds herself defenseless at a moment, and Ben goes for the kill, not the Jedi way. And Luke's like, "No, we're not doing that." It's just a big bunch of question marks for me of what is happening and mm. when are these things happening in relation to each other and why? Like, and what's what the, the geography of this fight? The geography of the fight, are they fighting in the Senate? We'll map that out. You know, sure. are they fighting on a ship heading back up to Phasma's ship? Is she trying to activate the laser? Does the laser, Is the laser completely offline and not a part of the fight? All of these questions. And I, th- I think there's a bunch of really good ideas here. It's just landing solidly on what is the most important thing yeah. for the story. But this is the tricky, trickiest job we've had, boys. We can do all this other stuff. We can, you know, we can run these character scenes and we can do this, this other writing, but it's... Action yeah. is hard. Action is action. hard. Good, and, good know, action is hard. Uh, third act, big action set piece, kind of hard to write down on paper because it's less about character and more about yeah. conclusion of character arcs through action. We are going to have to go to storyboards. Oh, going to yeah. have to visualize. Yeah. Any other final notes before we finish it up? No. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. No, I, I'm, I'm really happy with like the progress. I, I think it was really rewarding to just come in uh, missing two episodes worth and like Getting to hear some getting like the best shit bits. crazy yeah. stuff. I'm actually excited to go back and listen to episode four now. Oh, fun! Because Sorry, I haven't yeah. been able to listen to it yet. Yeah, no, even I have having a bit Is of. Is it a out? Crazy week. It's out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's out. Came out on Friday. Every oh, Friday, Sunday. Friday. <laughs> Fuck. And you can find us here every Friday. Yeah, you too can find us every Friday. Every Friday. 
thought it was Monday. No, it's a Friday show. God damn. This has been Fixing the Secret Trilogy, and we're here every week talking about Star Wars and writing. If you want to see more, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And while you're there, make sure to give us a five stars or follow, et cetera, et cetera. Mello? Every Friday. Every single Friday. Every Friday, baby. Sandro. We're always here. We'll be back next week on Friday with the final part of (laughs) Fixing the Force Awakens. But until then, may the Force be with you. See you Friday. Bye. (laughs)